Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This episode has us in Deer Valley, Utah for the annual Big Gear Show. And we're connecting with a legend in the industry, Mr. Kurt Renner. We're excited to nail him down and talk about his story. You know, I'm going to let you introduce Kurt because he's been a mentor for you for years and years and years. Yeah, uh, Kurt Renner is the Winona Current Designs rep. He got into repping and distributing of kayak and canoe paddle sports in 1976. He lives in Eugene, Oregon, and so he has pretty much represented these brands and brands before, actually when Dagger and Blue Hole Canoes came out. Uh, he was you know, first on the scene in whitewater canoes, basically. Uh, he's an ex-marathon national canoe racer, so he knows how to move a canoe forward. Uh, and his territory was basically like Fargo, North Dakota, and West. I remember him telling me that in the 80s, 90s, he did 32 or 36 trips back and forth from Minnesota, where Winona Current Designs is, uh-huh. to the West with full loads of 36 canoes and kayaks. 36 times in a year. which That's is, crazy. That's three times a month. Yeah. That's driving uh, 4,000 miles three times a month. That's 12,000 miles wow. a, a month. So he's been there. He's done that. I came on as a rep in 2000. I was 22 years old. So at that point, Kurt was uh, probably in his early 50s. Yeah, I've already been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. When you came on, and you've well, been doing it for 22 years. Now I have. Yeah, yeah. T- yeah, 23 or whatever. Yeah, 20. So, I mean, and seen so much change. Rotomolded kayaks came about in that time. Yeah. Royal X canoes were coming about. I mean, Thermoform. Thermoform was coming about. And... Uh, Kurt's, you know, a lot of people would call him gruff or whatever. And he's from Ohio originally. I'm being from Wisconsin, Minnesota. I think there was a bond in that Midwestern. We both love canoes. Clearly he's made his whole life canoes. He could have been a lot of ways to me. Uh, he took me under his wing really. And I mean, there were times where we were going between demos like you and I do now as reps and, you know, him and I would travel from one to the next. And so you become kind of a band of brothers, even though you compete. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything from one time I called him driving over the pass of Santa Cruz, Highway 17. I was like, Kurt, I'm feeling this under my foot. He's like, pull over immediately. You have a U-joint out. Your truck could lose its drivetrain immediately. And I did in, in Santa Cruz. I ended up staying there for four days, and they were like, you almost died, you know. So, and he knew it by me describing it under yeah. my foot. He showed me countless different places to urban camp, camp out of your vehicle, you know, a, a lot of things. And there were times where we jousted as competitors too. And you'll hear a little bit about this, but uh, yeah, a mentor of mine for sure. And somebody I look up to greatly. And just an absolute legend and somebody that is never going to get the credit he's due because there's just not a lot of people that even understand what we do as sales reps um, or stick around long enough to appreciate the legacy that that guy's created. Uh, and to sit down and have a conversation with somebody like Kurt and have a few laughs. And honestly, guys, we had to edit this down because it was, a, I think, a four-hour conversation. And there was parts that probably would have got us sued. <laughs> I mean, Kurt tells it like it is. He yeah. has this T-shirt that says, Truth Has No Agenda, you know, which I always <laughs> like. And, I mean, I've benefited from him telling customers how it is on demo beaches and them walking away and coming up to me. And I would flash a dimple and, you know, <laughs> then they were my customer because they just, you know, so – I would have really loved this to be the genesis of Kurt Renner and all the stories from the road. And I hope someday we get that. Uh You know, where did you start? What's your background? There's a little bit of that in here. But a lot of these are some stories that versions of stories. One thing that you'll hear is, 
like the stories that I've been hearing him tell in demo beaches or was part of, and it gives a flavor of who Kurt is and what he is. I mean, he still loves this to this day. Absolutely. And if you get a chance to meet Kurt on a demo beach, cause he is still doing this, you owe it to yourself to listen twice as much as you speak, because the guy has a lot to offer if you can get him to open up and, uh, and pour into your life a little. Yeah. I'd have been thinking about this introduction cause how do you do Kurt a good introduction, but the magazines have these, you know, top 100 paddlers ever or industry yeah. paddle mm-hmm. and it's designers well-deserved and Olympians and Greg Barton's all certainly people that deserve it, but there's not a single rep at Kurt would be it for me. I mean, uh, another person that should be added to that list. If you want to know like how a river runs in Arizona and where should I put in, where should I take out? Not only can he tell you that, but he can also tell you like the last five decades, you know, you know or whatever yeah. of, of where it came, where it's going, what it went. What the history was, what canoes they were using back in the day. He has a very photographic memory. He has a background in engineering and chemical engineering. And I believe his father-in-law was actually a CIA. So he kind of has that kind of like information warfare mentality. He always has this idea that, or this persona of like, I know something you don't know. And I might tell you a little bit just to keep your interest. Yeah. And then I'm going to pause for 10 seconds. Right. So this podcast also is going to probably lose our clean rating. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it had to. I mean, this is as clean as we can make it, and it's a story that deserves to be told. So right. here you go. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, maybe we'll check in and wrap this up here. And uh, this is night one of the Big Gear Show in a parking lot in the back. Our three vehicles are kind of circle the wagons, as I call it. And we have a couple coolers set up and chairs. And we basically just made a base camp in a Deer Valley ski resort parking lot where a trade show is below it. Yep. And so you're going to hear some background road noise. But this is pure repping, sitting around a cooler, making our own, like, Nirvana area in the back of a parking lot. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Here we go, everyone. Technology will allow us to make a 40-some pound polyethylene surf ski 17 feet long. <laughs> I go, uh-huh. <laughs> you guys, let me let me explain to you that since 1970, or 80, excuse me, 83, they, they've used 17-foot polyethylene tubes. The first one is a, called a Perception Chinook, Rocketeer Chinook, and then the Sea Lion. There's nothing new here. We've been doing this since then. And that a outfitted 17-foot-long tube called a sea kayak weighs 65 75 pounds uh-huh yep <laughs> so they made they made some boats that came in around i don't know they were 49 50 pounds they were floppier than hell yep so they added some weight then they added some more weight to it and they still are a polyethylene boat yep and every now and then somebody will buy one and they'll, this doesn't paddle like my v's whatever well, no shit, Jack. It's a fucking polyethylene boat. <laughs> well, I guess we've lost our clean rating with a little colorful language. But again, this was just recorded hanging out. This next story goes way back to early on repping. And I love it because it's kind of the highlight of the years where the big demo event was something special. And this is where Kurt and I were at the Bay Area Paddle Fest hanging out with a bunch of folks, industry people after hours. It was just fun to do. <laughs> Absolutely for nothing other than self-entertainment. Dude, you were a funny guy. 
You're so hilarious. Back right. back in the it's day, like that, back in the day in a Bay Area Paddle Fest, we ran it like uh, a pool game. You know, is we'd get these like the remember that kid from Sports Basement, right? I think it was yeah. in the Bay Area, and he had bought himself a brand new Perception Eclipse Shadow out of Kevlar. It's just kind of an odd, you know. You understand that was the boat he had access to, mm-hmm. you know, sea kayak. He, he was really proud of it or something, right? It was an Eclipse, right? Yep. Yep. And it was just, it was a beautiful boat, obviously, U.S. built composite, but it was, uh, we were sitting around, he was kind of talking, and Kurt and I just slowly rope a doped him, which was like, yeah, I think it looks pretty fast. I don't know. And he's like, oh, it's so fast. I was like, what is that way? And I was like, it weighs 42 pounds. I was like, wow, what's up, you know? And, and then Kurt's just like, I kicked that thing's ass with a canoe. <laughs> and uh, oh, and, the, and yeah, the guy, the guy didn't know anything about Kurt. You know, he's like, what? And he's like, canoe's faster than that boat. And the guy's like, no way. <laughs> and I was like, no way, Kurt. <laughs> you know? It was my same story. So I had a perception avatar, but otherwise exact same story. You might be talking about me. It happened to you, oh. too? <laughs> yeah, I got rented for sure. Oh, yeah. I had a perception avatar that Damani Smith gave me. He saw I was super passionate about it, so he's like, gave me the boat. And then Kurt came to town with all these Winona and current designs, like the big trailer, like three yeah. axles, 40 foot. Like, remember you had the whole, you always roll that way, the whole fleet of boats, the whole spiel. And I just remember, like, man, I was like going to kayak college. And so I go out expecting, like, I'm all fired up on the sea kayaks, expecting the current designer to be in a badass sea kayak. And he shows up in this black canoe. I was like, all right, well, whatever. He's a little older, maybe, like, you know, has to, like, bend his, I don't know, just whatever. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. No offense. And I'm, you know, I'm 22 years old, just thinking I'm a man, right? And we take off. I'm sorry I'm swearing, but I'm just in the zone. We'll cut it out. It's fine. Um, and we take off, and I'm just, like, boogieing as hard as I can. Like, I'm going to show this guy what's up. Know zero about paddle sports at this point. And this guy, Kurt, he's next to me just, and he's just leaving me in a uh, carbon Voyager. And I was like, so what's the deal with those? Like, how are those so bad? <laughs> well, that's what this kid, we got him up to a case of beer. Is what ended up happening, just talking smack across the fire. And then it, then it happened, it was the case of beer bet. It actually became a bet. Kurt oh, it's a race? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. And then Kurt just smoked him in like <laughs> six strokes. <laughs> Kurt was gone. Dang, <laughs> he, ruthless. And he came back with the case of beer, dropped it down in front of Kurt and I, and we're like, oh, so we got a key to the park, we'll be staying here tonight. You know? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, those years glory we, days. See, I, we, I did the canoe and beat him. Uh-huh. And then he said, well, I said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you didn't get beat by a canoe. It was me, that I was just a better paddler than you. Uh Uh-huh. He says, yeah, you're right. I said, I'll go get a kayak, and we'll race kayak to kayak. (laughs) So I go get the the extreme, (laughs) put it on the water, and I take off, and I got to let it, almost immediately, I got to let it off on the power. And he beats me by about, I don't know, six feet. And he's like, you're not trying hard enough. I says, look, I didn't have the right paddle, but it's going to take me a while. i got to dig through all my paddles and find the right go-fast paddle. So I go do it again and let him beat me by a little bit. And he's sitting there. I says, nah, man. He says, no, I'm a man of my word. I go, okay. I says, but let me me change this. I says... I'm not going to take this because of a silly little race that I beat you. I says, I'm going to give you a lesson in life. He goes, oh, okay. I says, do you know what the problem is hunting elk? 
He goes, uh, they run fast, they hide in the woods. I go, no, those are, mo- those are just inconveniences. I says, no, it's much more basic than that. I says, the problem with us hunting elk is that part-time hunters take on full-time elk. <laughs> and dude... <laughs> <laughs> you, you just took on a full-time bull elk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> over, the ne- over the next 20 years, you would just sometimes go to people and tell them, you'd start with, like, you know the problem with elk hunting? And I'd be standing there, like, over one booth. Yep. <laughs> That's classic. It is true. He was just cool because he, he was a graceful in defeat. He went and got the beer. He set it down. He was of. a good man. Yeah, he was a good guy. I can't tell you how many times I have heard the full-time elk from across the beach story. And the customers never know what he's talking about because he doesn't really explain it. Sometimes they'll come back over to me and be like, what's that guy talking about? And then I have to explain it to him. But I've just that is uh, the full-time elk, part-time hunter thing. For 23 years. If you ask me to do a Kurt impression, that one's coming out first. All right, this next one, I'll just let it go. We once saw Kurt and I up in Port Angeles at the uh, Port Angeles Sea Kayak Symposium. There was uh, an instructor that was kind of in like Romney's, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and real, uh, real, just, you know, by the book instructor and stuff. And. That area kind of had that contingent of it, and, you know, Kurt and I were going head-to-head with our style, but anyway, we were just, we had so many boats on the beach that night, and we're staying in our vehicles, and she had three Brit-style boats, and she chained them up. Chained <laughs> like, them together? Changed them together, three of them. Together. Oh, yeah. Three of them, yeah. And then Kurt had the entire catalog of Winona Kurt Designs, and I had the entire <laughs> Eddie Lang catalog down the beach with all of our samples, paddles. And we were just like, oh, we'll sleep up in the parking lot and keep an eye out. So one thing led to another. Was that after we paddled in the biolimits? Remember, we went to the party, and then Christian Pearson, you and I, went and paddled. Yeah. And the bioluminescence was going off. It was a beautiful night. Under the dock. Awesome. And it was colder than shit. And we paddled, and we come back, and we decided that her boats needed to be moved. And because there was three of us and three of them boats, we were able to move them. So we pick up three boats chained together. Flawlessly. Did not mess them up. This is the first time we've ever admitted to this. To find and walked them, walked them all the way down to the other end of the beach and just sat them down. Went back and had a pair. So then the next morning I come down and I see her and two cops. <laughs> so I just walk up to my plot of gravel and she comes over. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Did you, did, you, did you see what hear what happened in the night? And you're like, no. He's <laughs> like, no. You were all serious. You went to cop mode. You're like, no. What and she's like, my boats. <laughs> my boats have been stolen. He's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Kurt turns around. Like, Kurt turns around and comes to me. He's like, we don't say anything about this ever. And then turned back around. He's like, you want me to call somebody? You know, or whatever you did. You know, you like, went right back to serious. <laughs> Yeah. And then I says, well, are your boats here? They weren't stolen. Yeah. I says, what's the problem? Well, they were moved. They, might, they were probably scratched. So I, I, I just take my foot and roll over one of my glass touring kayaks. <laughs> I go kind of like this or any of the other 20 boats I brought. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And the cops are like, 
<laughs> we're out of here. I realize this is getting lamer and lamer. <laughs> <laughs> and she's wasting their time. Yeah. We're in Utah, up here in Deer Valley. Hey, Kurt, you were here for the tornado at the Salt Lake, right? Oh, yeah. Convention Center at OR <coughs> in what year? Yep. Liberty Lake. I've got an easy up tied down with a Dagger Venture 17 and a Winona Royal X Cascade. And I see the storm coming in. The sky's turning the color that I know is bad. The sirens go off. And I go, shit, that's got rotation. That's a, that's a tornado. <clears throat> it lifts my tent up with the two canoes. And then it rips the top off of it. So they crash back down. And then we're looking at this debris up in the sky. Liquid Logic had six whitewater kayaks or something. I forget how many. Sucked up and they ended up pitoning up in the north um, east corner of Salt Lake City. Up in the bird. <laughs> no kidding. Whoa. Yeah. How far? Like thrown miles? No, like, oh, they went a couple miles. Yeah, yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. If you have never been in a tornado, let me tell you something. It is something to be in. I was in a car that got picked up and sat back down. Wow, that's nuts. May twelfth, nineteen fifty-six, Saturday night before Mother's Day. Set the fucking car, picked it up, set it down, and Coca-Cola sign. They used to have these red and white Coca-Cola signs about six feet tall and two feet wide. Uh-huh. One of them went over our car and went through a chain-link fence. Whoa! Oh, it, it's, it's... And then... Wow. As, as a much... You know, you look at the devastation and everything else, and you see it. But one side... In the 53 tornado, one side of Store Avenue was devastated, and the other side was untouched. That's what's really crazy about tornado. Yeah. Is it's just like erased. Yeah, that is so wild. Absolutely incredible. I mean, people, that thing ripped through the convention center, right? One got killed. Yeah. Wow. But one dude jumped in a big uh, wooden crate. And his tent was probably over 100 yards long. And he ended up on the other end of the tent. He rode that in a, in a wooden crate. Oh, oh my God. God. That's so nuts. Oh. And I had Nikki standing next to me when, when my tent went up in the air. And she gets a phone call and she starts crying because their booth was destroyed. It was in that tent. But it, it was something. That tragic natural disaster in Salt Lake City still affects colleagues when a dark cloud looms over Salt Lake City, at least the ones that were at that event. And unfortunately, I think we're going to be dealing with more and more of these types of natural disasters around the country, as we just saw with Hurricane Ian. Uh, this next story is, well, this next one from Kurt is more about the disposition that he has as somebody who's driven so many miles. I think a lot of people can romance the repping thing. Oh, you just drive around the West and you paddle. But I don't think people understand how hard we drive. Oftentimes we'll work an event and then drive all night to the next town. So here's Kurt describing what it takes to be a professional rep slash truck driver. A lot of miles, man. A lot of doing this right here. 
This is a nice camp. <laughs> you got to love this part of it, because the minute you go to a room, all of a sudden you're losing money on this See, this deal. is this is wor- this makes it worthwhile, though. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But they, they did a psychological profile on, on the people that can actually drive for a living. And there's two types of personalities that can drive for a living. <laughs> One of them has room temperature IQ and is stupid enough to think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> or just can just sit there and mouth breathe and look out the window, right? <laughs> and, and then there's the people that just put themselves where they need to be while they're doing the driving, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Do you know how fast you go if you accelerate at 32 feet per second per second for 365 days? No. You reach exactly the speed of light. <laughs> you want to know how I know that? Yeah. I arithmetically solved that driving across North Dakota one fucking day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I had all the time in the world. Just let your brain go. I just... That's before podcasts. I just... Dri- <laughs> writing it all out. And I saw it. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, let me... Would you do a self-driving car, a truck, if they had it come out on the highway? So no, you I could, don't trust them. Yeah. Well, many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, as I was a young buck rep, Kurt was wanting to do more on water time with staff and we're trying to get back to this, but it's hard. It's hard to get staff from all over to come together. Also as a rep, I mean, it's a lot of exposure for liability and Kurt's telling a story here where he had asked a rep forever to do partner trips together. That guy said, no, I was young. I had nothing to lose. <laughs> I was, uh, and so I said yes. And we took our two lines of canoes out into the Wahi River in southeastern Oregon, which is just a beautiful canyon. That area of the country is like the least populated county in the lower 48, I believe, or so I was told by Kurt. And this is a story of what we call Duel in the Desert. Let's do a joint trip. And each year he said no. So Ethan and I did it. Uh-huh. What were you repping? Bell. 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 Okay. Yeah. Do we call it Duel in the Desert? We made T-shirts with like really? two gunslingers. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see a T-shirt. That's awesome. Yeah. I've so been... you guys would take the canoes out and go uh, hit a. No, we did a four-day or... trip with twenty-one people. Oh, that's down amazing. the Owyhee River, right? Yeah. Uh, from Idaho River Sports to other you know, Tumalo to Canoe Rack in Missoula. Had Canadians. They had Canadians from two provinces. <laughs> Eleven canoes, twenty-one people, right? And you guys, so you just brought your fleet out. You had bells and uh, Winona. Winona. Yeah, we eat. that's so cool. And but eat both both went down. Yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. What was the better canoe for the river? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> sandbagged me. I got sandbagged by a runner. Listen, this guy's a Dutch oven canoe camper, man. I just, you know, and those things are gear haulers. He's like, we better get 38 apples. I'm like, dude, my thing was down to its gunnel, and they called it the Green Submarine, the Bell Alaskan, which it was too shallow. Without question, Kirk knew it, saw it. And so and the overlook, I got sandbagged. That thing was underwater. The guy that went with me broke into like a, a allergic reaction from being so cold up in the bow for four days because I pounded him through every wave. Trip. Oh, that's he hilarious. Cheap, he was a raft guy. He had never been in a canoe. And uh, I was like, you ever been in a canoe? He's like, you know, class three you know, runs. He's like, nope. He's like, but I'm a raft guy. I was like, all right, here's a bow draw. Here's a cross bow draw. 
and forward stroke when I said, you know, and uh, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. We crushed it, but never swam. But buried that came out of multiple rapids up to our gunnels huh. in that boat every single time. Kurt had done countless trips over the years with staff, and I can't even begin to count how many people Kurt made love canoes and then later bought canoes staff at Alder Creek where I first worked when I moved out here. I think almost that whole generation of folks as they moved on all left with canoes and there's still images of some of these trips in the Winona catalogs from, you know, 20, 30 years ago of Kurt doing the real deal with canoes. But Kurt is a family man first and foremost, and he lives Kind of a self-sustenance, organic farm, hobby farm, um, uh, outside of Eugene, Oregon. So it's just perfect spot to grow stuff. And he raised his kids just in such a great manner that way. And they're all now older adults and professionals. And here is he's kind of talking about passing up paddling to be a good family man. 1987, I could have gone to the Nationals or stayed home for Alyssa's birth. Uh-huh. I stayed home. <laughs> yeah, you, you reach those moments in life where you're like, all right, I better stay home. Her. Yeah. I'd have made it back, though. She was born on the 23rd. I had six days. I could have made it. <laughs> I bet your wife was happy to have you. But <laughs> I was a canoe a copia the day before Sarah was born. <laughs> but from we were living in Winona, and all I had to do was drive 165 miles. That's a little easier. <laughs> Well, this last one's a quick one, and it's just something that I've really enjoyed watching Kurt over the years is that when he sees young talent, people that are passionate about paddling, maybe working at a shop or an outfitter, and his eyes glimmer when he's like, this is a this is a person that can contribute to the paddle sports industry and make more new paddlers. They're basically spreading the stoke. And I watch him. He'll latch on. I, I believe he latched on to you, you know, in that story. He saw that you had it. Yeah, he was definitely a huge influence in me. And I, I appreciate the fact that he saw that in me and, uh, and poured his time into me because he was definitely, you know, one of the foundational people that got me here. And when you hear this one, I'd like to think that both you and I are qualifying for what he's yeah. talking about right now. Mo- moving it on to the next generation. I mean, you you can figure out whether somebody has got what it takes. Uh-huh. The next thing to figure out is, are they going to stick with it? Yeah, exactly. And very few do. Yeah. 